0: It is great to see you guys tonight. So grateful that you're here. We are, this whole summer we've been going through the Beatitudes and in chapter 5 of Matthew and tonight we are finishing it up. I don't know if Spencer, my sound guy, he does everything for me. We're going to start the class. I'm, I'm titling this lesson, When We Move, God Moves. When we move, God moves. And I want to start the class a little, you probably won't get this in every Bible Fellowship class, with a little trivia, 70s and 80s trivia, a little name that tune. Come on. Wheezy, George, right? You gotta love the Jeffersons, right? You know this song actually was Janet Dubois, and the backup to this, okay, was a gospel choir. So I think that's appropriate. You can play it in church, right? If a gospel choir, right? Moving on up. Now you're probably wondering why in the world am I playing this song? Move it on up. All right, in a Bible fellowship class, when we're talking about the Beatitudes, well, tonight's topic—I'll borrow another '70s term, maybe—is a little bit heavy. Okay, persecution. All right, but this is no valley of persecution that we're headed down into. No, not at all. Not into any kind of pit of despair. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take it up a notch. Okay, we're really moving on up, as that song says. Okay, so this penthouse in the sky, we're going to take it up a notch to to this rarefied air if you like to work out. Okay, we're moving from the intermediate level to the expert. All right, I don't know if anybody in here has ever heard of P90X. You ever heard of P90X, anybody? Anybody crazy enough to do it like me? All right, Richie, I know Richie, right? So in P90X, if you've ever done it, they have this one, one of the episodes is yoga, so nobody laugh at yoga until you've done P90x yoga, all right? Because it's hard. It may be the hardest of everything they do. And it's an hour and a half. OK? The P90x yoga is an hour and a half, and the first 45 minutes are really, really hard. But when they get to the end of that first 45 minutes, the second 45? oh man. I think I've only done it twice, maybe. That second 45 when Aaron and I, if we ever do it, when I get to that 45 I press stop, you know, I just can't, I can't go any further, all right, because it's going to a whole new level, and that's what we're doing tonight, we're going to take it to a whole new level, Matthew chapter 5, the last beatitude, okay, we're in verse 10, and as Tony Horton says, when he's teaching in that, uh, that P90X yoga, and he gets to that 45, he says, this is advanced, boys and girls, this is advanced, so this is advanced tonight, all right, but it's going to be fun. Let's take a look. I've got a handout, too, on the table that will kind of help you maybe follow along a little bit. It looks a little like this. Okay, it's got some blanks and things on it. So, this beatitude, unlike the first seven, we got three verses to work from. Now, maybe that's because it is so advanced. Jesus thought we needed a couple of extra verses so we could figure this out. But it starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. I'm going to go through 10, 11, and 12. So it says that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then you got 11 and 12, which really just gives you a little bit more insight into what Jesus is talking about. It says blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So now, listen, there's three things I want you to to know in particular about verse 10. Okay, this eighth and final beatitude. First, and it's filling in the blanks here. First is the blessing. So what is the blessing that, that Jesus says here? The blessing is the kingdom of heaven. All right, we talked about this way back when we started this series in the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when we talked about it then, okay, we said that this kingdom of heaven, it isn't what you might think, you know, this future when we're going to be in heaven. No, the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is. Okay, remember uh, when he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here as it is in heaven. Okay, wherever Jesus is at, that's where the kingdom of heaven is at. So this is a blessing, all right? and blessing means happy. This is a blessing. This is a happiness for being persecuted, okay, that's here. It's here, it's now. It's also in the future, too, when we get to glory, but it's wherever Jesus is at. Very important to remember that. And if it's particular when you're talking about persecution, I got to believe we need Jesus in the middle of persecution, right? Amen? We need Jesus in the middle of persecution. Number two is what are we being persecuted for? Righteousness, right? And what is righteousness? We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is basically being like Jesus, right? We have two kinds of righteousness. We've talked about that positional righteousness. You get that just by being a Christian. Right, and then we have what I call relational righteousness. We get that through the process of sanctification. Okay, Jerry's talking a lot tonight about becoming holy. All right, that's what the process of sanctification is all about. All right, so this is about being like Jesus. You're being persecuted because you're like Jesus. All right, this isn't being persecuted just because you're a Christian. All right, a lot of Christians may get persecuted just because they're not very nice. All right, maybe because they're not really following the first seven beatitudes. All right, maybe a lot of Christians get persecuted because they're, they're fighting for their own cause and not for the cause of Christ. All right, so it's important to remember what we're talking about. We're talking about being persecuted because of righteousness, It's because we're acting like Jesus. We're identifying with Christ. That's important to remember. Third, persecution. All right. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted, but it really doesn't give us a definition of this, does it? Does it tell us what he means by persecuted? So I went and looked it up online and I found things like oppression, torture, abuse, to be victimized, harassed, bullied, treated badly, terrorized. I mean, when I was reading this and looking at it, I was thinking, man, this is a description of just the world today, isn't it? I mean, the whole world looks like this. You know, so when I started thinking about it, I started thinking, well, man, I'm going to go through some kind of persecution. So really, maybe the, the, the question is, am I going to be persecuted for, for being like Christ or doing what I want to do, right? Living my life my way. I talk about this a lot when I'm talking to people about you know, salvation. You know, one of the questions that people will always ask is, listen, if I accept Christ, your Savior, is my life just going to be perfect? Well, of course not, right? It's not going to be perfect. Overnight, all your problems aren't going to go away. But I tell you what, I'd much rather go through them with Christ than alone, right? Note the other thing that it doesn't do. It doesn't tell us who's doing the persecution. You know, in verse 11, it gives us a little hint there. It says, when others, well, that's pretty descriptive, right? Others. So I guess anybody other than you would be, would fall into this category for for persecuting you. You know, listen, it may just be that it's Satan, what about Job? Man, can you think of anybody in the Bible that was persecuted more for Job? And why was he persecuted? Righteousness, right? The Bible says he was blameless and upright. He was a godly man. Okay? So maybe today, right, you're getting persecuted because you're running after Christ. And maybe the devil just doesn't like it. All right? Maybe you're trying your best to, to live a godly life and to search for Christ and, and the devil's mad. All right, and he's, he's coming after you. He's hurting you, all right? He's trying to cause confusion in your life. Well, this lesson, okay, these verses, they're for you too. But I think a lot of people, most people probably associate persecution of the Christian with, with death, right? With martyrism. You know, we talk about getting killed for your faith, and it's on the news a lot lately because the statistics tell us that every five minutes a Christian is killed because of their faith. So we've had, I don't know, six or seven people by statistics that have died since we started this class. Every five minutes, think about that. That's amazing, isn't it? None more prevalent than in the Middle East right now, right? With ISIS and all that's going on over there, the beheadings, just the atrocities. They say that they're taking over Christian churches and turning them into torture chambers. I saw uh, this past week in the media about uh, Kayla uh, Mueller. Do you remember that name? She was the young social worker that went over to help people in Syria. She was kidnapped. Just the atrocities that were committed against her. And what was so encouraging is that she never, ever backed down from her faith. Never, ever backed down for her faith. She helped people to, to, to get away, to escape. And she said, listen, I'm going to stay here because if I leave, they'll come after you. She never backed down. She reminded me a little bit of this girl. I saw an article about this, this young girl right here who's from the Middle East, okay? She's over here in the U.S. She's on a little bit of a speaking tour, and they, uh, they, they gave her the name Mary just to try to, to keep her from uh, giving away her identity. I want you to just to hear what she said about the persecution that's taking place in the Middle East. She says, the persecution is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But on the other hand, actually, what has encouraged me, what has encouraged my faith, encouraged my church, encouraged every Christian in the region is that the church is increasing. We are not afraid or worried that persecution will increase, we are just feeling that it is God's time. God is working perfectly now in the Middle East. Even with all the crazy stuff happening, God is really working now. So I want to encourage you that, of course, you need to pray for your brothers and sisters in the Middle East who are suffering for being Christians and for their faith. But I'm asking you to pray a different prayer. Don't pray for the persecution to stop, but pray for their boldness, their courage, their faith, and that they can all be witnesses for God's work and for God. How amazing is that? You know why she says this? Because she knows that when we move, God moves, right? When we move, God moves. When we move, God moves. All right? When we move, God moves. And I could give you all kinds of examples of this. I could talk about Iran, where in 1981, there were less than 500 Christians. Not 500,000, 500 Christians. Today, they say there's almost 7 million. Iran Live is broadcast 24 hours a day. Okay, the, the gospel message into Iran. Or what about China? 1949 had less than 500,000 Christians. Today, more than 60 million. If they continue to grow at the same pace by the year 2030, China will be the, uh, the largest Christian nation in the world. How about that? And both of these places God's word is spreading in the face of enormous persecution. Right, enormous persecution. We talk about it often in in this country that we want a movement of God. Right, we hear it all the time. We want a movement of God. God, do something. Do something in our in our homes. Do something in our in our, our churches. Do something in our country. You know, I love I love what Stephen Furtick says. Stephen Furtick. I love to listen to Stephen. He he preaches at Elevation Church in North Carolina. And he says, listen, we are not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. And I believe that. I really do believe that. But sometimes I wonder, are we really ready for what it might entail? Are we? Are we willing to do what this young woman prays for over there? Are we willing really to endure what's coming? I mean, because I know in my life, personally, I spend most of my time praying to God that he would just keep me from persecution, that he would keep me safe, he'd keep me out of harm's way, right? I spend all my time begging him to take care of me. Don't put me in a position where I might have to, to die for my faith. So are we ready? You know I was I was reading a book, actually I should say I was listening to a book. I'm not a very good reader, so thank God for audiobooks. But I was listening to an audiobook for a, a book that uh, Matt Chandler had had wrote and he said in that book, it is highly unlikely that anybody in this country will ever have to endure real persecution. He wrote that book in 2013. <clears throat> My how times have changed in just a short period of time, isn't it? More and more today, we're, you know, we're subject to persecution because we love and serve Jesus Christ. You know, we were watching a a movie the other night, okay, and it was this uh, God's Not Dead 2. I don't know how many people have seen God's Not Dead 2. It's a great movie. Um, It's fiction, right? That's where it's made up, right? I'm not good at This, this book, I'm telling you, so... Based on true story, yep. And uh, it's about a woman that is standing up because she wants to have the right to, to talk about Jesus in school, in a public school. She's not witnessing to people. She's just giving a factual account of Christ. And, and what really caught my attention is, is, is the movie's great, but at the very end of it, when they're rolling the credits, they're, they're, they list 20 cases. In the U.S., 20 cases where people were being attacked in the courtroom because of their faith for for things like passing out invitations for a Christmas party or to a summer camp or having a scripture uh, on their desk or on their locker. So it's real, you know, it's real and it's coming. And at the beginning of that movie, they had a a trailer for, for a movie that's coming out in a few weeks called I Am Not Ashamed. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's the story of Rachel Scott. And, you know, probably if this would have happened today, everybody would know Rachel Scott's name. But Rachel Scott was one of the high school students that was killed in the Columbine shootings back in 1999. Can you believe that it was 1999? And, and Rachel, okay, she was a strong believer. She didn't hide her faith. All right, and they're making this movie about her and, and her life and they found her diary and, and I just wanted to read to you some of the things that were in her diary. So less than a year before the, the shootings at the school, listen to what she wrote. She said, this is my last year. Lord, I have gotten what I can, thank you. And then on the day of the killing, on the day of the killing, it says this in her diary. I lost all my friends at school. Now that I've begun to walk my talk, they make fun of me. I don't even know what I've done. I don't really have to say anything and they turn from me. I have no personal friends at school, but you know what? I'm not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I'm not going to justify my faith to them. I'm not going to hide the light that God has put into me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. I will take it. If my friends have to become my enemies for me to be with my best friend Jesus, then that's fine with me. I always knew being a Christian is having enemies, but I never thought that my friends were going to be those enemies. If I have to give up everything, I will. I just want God to use me to reach the unreached. I know God is going to use me to reach the young people. I don't know how, and I don't know when. Three weeks before the shooting, she had witnessed to the two shooters. Talking to them about Jesus. In fact, after the shooting, they found in, 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 the, in some, but the possessions of the shooters a videotape where they had made a videotape, a homemade movie, mocking her because of her, her love for Jesus. All right. And on the day of the shooting, she was sitting outside okay, and she was having lunch uh, with a friend and she was the first person that they encountered. So when they walked up to the school that day, she was the first person they shot. And they shot her in the back, they shot her in the leg, and they started walking away. After a few seconds, one of them turned around, went back over to her, grabbed her by the hair, and said, Are you still going to stand up for that God of yours? And she said, You know I am. And he shot her in the head. He said, Just go be with him then. But you know what? She stood up for what she believed. She stood up for Christ. And you know that her funeral, even back then, was the most watched show on CNN in the history of CNN. More than even when Princess Diana died. And now, they're making a movie about her. They're going to touch countless lives because she made a stand. You'd never know her name. You'll never see her movie for sure if she wouldn't have stood up that day to say, I believe in Christ. You would never know who she is. You know why? Because when we move, God moves. God's still moving through her life, still moving through her life. Like I said, I could give you example, example, example. I could give you a bunch from the Bible too. All right, I wanna just give you two real quick. All right, what about Apostle Paul? Man, can you think of anybody that was Uh, that was persecuted more than Paul. Take a look over in 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11, over in verse 23. I just want to read to you a little summary of of Paul's troubles. He says, I am talking like a madman with far greater laborers, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. He says, five times I have received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. I mean, come on, not but for the power of the gospel. Can somebody go from the persecutor to the persecuted? I guarantee you. Some wreck of a guy like me wouldn't be up here teaching if it wasn't for that. And you guys are probably feeling a little persecuted right now because of that. But Paul, listen, what did Paul, though, know? That when he moved, God moved. Look at his life. I mean, can you imagine all the things that he's done? Just think about it. Probably the greatest church planner in the history of the world. Went on three missionary journeys that countless people came to Christ. Wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. Wrote four books from, in the New Testament from prison. From prison because of his faith. And when he was in prison writing the book of Philippians to the church of Philippi, what did he say? He's, if you look over there and you studied it in Philippians 1, he says that my persecution has served to advance the gospel throughout the entire empirical guard changed an entire police force. He changed the Roman army, the Roman guard, because of his persecution, his willingness to make a stand for Christ. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We all know this story, right? Over in Daniel 3. If you turn over there, I'll, I'll read you a few verses in a minute. But Daniel chapter 3, is it talks about this story, right, of, of these three young men that were friends with Daniel, and they were, they were there in Babylon in the captivity, remember? And King Nebuchadnezzar was, was the king, and, and the king created this large, almost hundred foot high gold statue and he said everybody's got to bow down and worship it and they said nope not us we're not going to do it right we're not going to give in to this so what he say fire up the furnace make it as hot as you can right make it as hot as you can and throw them in and it was so hot it says that whenever the guards went there to throw them in that that some of the guards died all right so if you look over there look over there for a second in verse 23 Daniel 3 verse 23 It says in these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to him, King, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The King James Version says, the son of God. So don't miss that for a second, okay? Don't miss this, okay? In the middle of that fire, in the middle of that persecution, who's there with them? Jesus, Jesus, right? Never forget that. Whatever you're going through, in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the persecution, never, ever forget God is with you. What did Paul say in Romans 8? He said, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? It says, it says, what about tribulation? What about nakedness? What about hunger? What about sword? What about danger? What about persecution? He said, no, no, no. In all of those things, in all of those things, we are more than conquerors because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's keep going and see what else. It says there in verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the the straps and the perfects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Change the king's heart, change the country, change the law. We got a country today that needs changing. Needs a lot of changing, doesn't it? Amen, needs a lot of changing. Look what happens when we move, God moves. But listen, so I, I, I could give you, I I'd probably give 10 more stories. This, this lesson was three times as long when I first started it two weeks ago. All right? I've been cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down. All right, I could keep going. I could keep going. I could go. going. But what's the most important thing for us? Here's what I think is the most important thing for us, okay, is that we're ready, okay? Like Stephen Furrier said, we are a move of God. We need to be ready, don't we, to be a move of God, all right? We need to understand what it takes, what do we have to do, how do we have to be prepared, okay, to move from the pleasant that we pray for to the persecution that may be required. How do we do it? How do we do it? I'm going to give you two ways, two things to think about. And remember, this is advanced. This is not easy. All right, number one, we always have to remember it is not about you. I'm going to tell you, that's hard to hear, isn't it? Nobody likes to hear it is not about you. Nobody wants to hear it. We live in a self-centered world where all we think about mainly is ourself. But it's not about you. It's not about you. There's some great verses out there that we quote all the time. Like Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. Right? What about 1 Corinthians 6.19? All right? You've been bought with a price. Okay? You're no longer your own. We quote those verses all the time, right? We talk about them. But what do they mean, really? Not about you. It's not about you, right? It's about glorifying God. Bringing people to God. That's what it's about. Because listen, if it's about you, you will never endure the persecution. Never. I promise you will never, ever endure the persecution if it is only about you. You will always quit. Because I've said it before, okay, that suffering begins where you end. Suffering begins where you end. Because if you could fix it, you would. Nobody wants to suffer. That suffering starts when you run out of you. That's when people quit, when it's all about them. You will never endure if it's only about you. It has to be about Christ and glorifying him. Okay, that's the only way that we can live this life like this girl praying for persecution not for safety because she knows that when we move, God moves, okay? It requires persecution sometimes. Remember, Jesus is talking to Christians here. He's telling you, okay, this is coming. You must expect this and be prepared for this. It's not about you. The second thing, Jared talked a little bit about this tonight. It was his first, it was his first point in habit, okay? And I promise we didn't coordinate these lessons at all. But it was, the second thing is it's not about you, but it's also not about this world, it's about heaven. It's important too. Jared started down this road, but it's important, okay, for you to understand what it means to live a life that's focused on heaven. Because I'm going to tell you, when I, was, when I was first saved, it used to just drive me insane for people just to say, oh, you got to keep focused on heaven. Got to keep focused on heaven. I used to say, stop telling me that. I got so many problems. How do you help me right now? Right? How do, how do you solve this right now? Okay, but learning to live with a heavenly mindset doesn't just mean I'm trying to get there. I remember not too long ago, a few months ago, my son William, who just happens to be here, I didn't tell him I was gonna mention him or he would not have to come, but uh, William one day after he probably had an eight-year-old bad day had said, you know, I'll just be happy when I get to heaven. And I grabbed him right away and I said, no, 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 son, I don't ever want you to hear you say that again. Okay, heaven is your reward, but... But we need you here. Hey, we need you here. I w- I'm looking forward to heaven. But listen, I want to be in the game, right? Keep me in, coach. I want to I take the last shot, right? Even Paul, who said to live is Christ and to die is gain, okay, right after that, if you go to Philippians and read it, the very next verse says, but I struggle with this. I struggle with this because I I definitely want to go to heaven, but I want to stay here because I can help, right? I can help, okay? So it isn't really just about trying to get there as fast as you can because there's a lot of difference to be made here in this world, right? Paul later says, he later says that that we should live as citizens of heaven, all right? But Paul, I promise you, knew that, that it was about moving here on earth, Because what he say? I press on. I want to win the race. I want to finish strong, right? Why do I want to win the race? Because when I get there, I get my prize. I get that, the prize, which is what? The upper call of Christ. Okay, but I'm struggling because I want to be here now. So the key really is to live with this heaven heaven mindset. You've heard of a, of a New York state of mind. Well, this is a heaven state of mind. It's living above your circumstances, okay? It's moving on up into that rarefied air, okay? And getting up there where Jesus lives. Because just because we're here, this place, you know, I read an article recently. Somebody said, they were talking about persecution and then they quoted a, a pastor and, and some of the congregants. And they said that, that you know, we just don't feel at home anymore in our own country I'm like well hallelujah because this isn't your home the Bible says this isn't your home right what Jared say tonight is great verse. you just set your mind on things above not on things of this earth Okay, you got to live above your circumstances. You know, we just had the Olympics, right? The Olympics, all those runners, they're running as hard as they can. They're training and training and training, trying to get to that finish line, right? So what we got to do in life, we've got to run as hard as we can, doing as much as we can, but keeping that finish line in mind, right? Because we got great rewards when we get there. That's why when they get their gold medal, you see them all, they kiss it, right? They're always kissing it up there and taking pictures, holding them. Well, listen, our, our, our prize is way better. Our prize is way better when we get to the end, amen? It's way better. He talks about here in, in this blessing. He's talking about the rewards you're going to get because it's going to be special. You know, it's one of the things also that I don't think people think enough about is how good heaven is going to be. We just do a horrible job as a church telling people about heaven. It's like we're afraid to tell them how good it is. Randy Alcorn wrote a great book. I, I recommend you get it. It's called Heaven. All right. And he talks about, he's like, oh, you know, people come up to me all the time and they say, well, am I going to know my family, you know, when I get to heaven? He's like, well, do you think you're going to be dumber in heaven? (laughs) It's like, of course you're going to know your family. This is, God's not got this set up for you to be sad. He's got it set up for you to be happy, right? So listen, I, you know, we're talking about these Beatitudes and, you know, I started thinking, what, what would it be? What is heaven? What's a good picture of heaven? You know, so I started thinking about, you know, Jesus, he's up on this mountain. It must have been beautiful, right? I've never been to the Holy Land. I'm sure some people in here have, but it's overlooking the Sea of Galilee, you know, and it's this, uh, this beautiful area, and Jesus is just sitting there amongst you, teaching you, right? Must be a little like heaven. So we have this video that uh, I want to show. Just I thought it would be a good end to the Beatitudes and uh, Hillsong. They recorded a song called Just Say the Word and they recorded it up on the mountain where the beatitudes where Jesus would have spoke the beatitudes. So I wanted you guys to see this this video.
1: Say the word and there is light. Say i mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: There's a a word in there. One One of the parts of that says promise kept through cross and grave. I mean, think about it. God moved the world when Christ moved on that cross. It all started with persecution, murdered for you and for me, murdered so God could move. He could move us from death to life. Right, He could move us from broken to restored, from fear to faith, from despair to hope. And not just any life, but from life to abundant life. And one day, from earth to eternity. He did it so we could move. Okay, so we could move. Now's our time to be that movement of God. Now's our time. The Bible says that, that we are heirs, okay? Brothers and sisters of Christ, Romans eight seventeen. provided we suffer with Christ. But I know it must be good because the very next verse says that I can't even imagine. that This suffering doesn't matter at all compared to the glory of that will be revealed to us in the future. We just got to be ready. Because when we move, what? God moves. When we move, God moves. Gosh, thank you guys for being here tonight. I can't tell you how much it is a blessing to me to see this, this class filled with people that love Jesus. You know, I was asked... Uh, You know what? What what, what am I trying to accomplish by somebody this week? You know what? What am I trying to do? Why, Why do I do this? Why do I suck? You know the moments out of my day and my week to try to get prepared for this. And I just I told him I said it's just because I so desperately want everybody in this room to see the God that I see and see Jesus revealed the way I see it when I study for this lesson. So I hope it blesses you. Let me let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for this, this night, Lord. Thank you for this time together. God, I pray, Lord, uh, as times get more and more difficult in this country, Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray as you would give us courage. I pray as you would give us strength, Lord. I pray that you would just remind us, God, that when, when we move, you move. When we move, you move. So, Lord, just let us persevere no matter what comes our way. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.